Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Should we talk about it? This is the Bore Breakdown podcast in this. It's like Bore Mashed Chatter in a pod. Support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Ravenelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Ravenelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Board Breakdown podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. We are the Board Podcast that gives you all of your Board Match Day chatter in a podcast. And we're bottom of the league. How funny is that? <laughs> uh, we're bottom of the league with one point from five games. A defeat against QPR. Um, Seas Board have the worst start since 2003, which we said last week. And it's just getting worse and worse and worse. But Dana, how are you feeling? Let's have your one key takeaway. Oh God, I feel like shit. My one key takeout is that we have completely abandoned last season's setup, and I do not know why. I think it's perplexing at this point. I know that we don't have the same personnel. I know that we can't copy the loanies that we had, but I still don't feel like that prompts us to basically change tack the way that we have. Last season we had that 325 build out and I do apologize because you're going to hear 325 quite a lot. It's going to be one of my collection of cliches apparently. But we had the three center backs, Lenahan, Fry, Tommy Smith would move into a, a right center half position. We would have House and Hackney in the midfield too. We would have the width with our left back playing as a left wing back and we'd have our right winger and then we would have basically a central three of the the left winger, the number 10 and the striker. And now we were more playing like a 4-2-4. And I'd say 4-2-4 because our fullbacks are so deep. Like, why why do we have no width? Why is everything so narrow, so central? Why is there no outlet? There's just a lot of questions. And as I said, I'll reiterate, I know we don't have the same personnel, but I don't feel like that is... I don't feel like we should change tact because of that. Because Lucas Engel, Alex Spangura, whoever plays there, they're basically being told to sit back and to come narrow. And they can be told to advance and stay wide. So I, I don't know. It's it's really, really puzzling. A lot of people want to know what's going on with Borough. Who the fuck knows? I know. I have everything I've done. Um, Tom, how, what's your key takeaway from yesterday's game and in the week as well pain just pain <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I, I think my key takeaway is there's work there's so much work to be done in the the next couple of weeks and, and the international break just uh to touch on what dana was saying there about the the three two five and build up i heard a talk about that on bbcts yesterday and i was just i agree with it so much because Although it's the same formation now, it's nowhere near the same system or the same roles. And it's just, it's so frustrating to watch. It's frustrating to watch a left wing back who didn't cross the halfway line until, you know, he's told to at half time. Or, you know, playing with inverted wingers who are constantly coming in central and, and having everything blocked. It's, it's just a frustrating thing to watch. And I, I don't know if something to do with the um, the absolute tactical battle that Carrick had with Mark Robbins at the end of last season has potentially had something to do with this. But I don't know, I just feel like he's kind of like really overthinking everything at the moment. Like in that Huddersfield game where he's said, oh, we told Engel to kind of sit back because, you know, Huddersfield's system of man-marking and stuff. And I'm like, why at home at Huddersfield are we yeah. giving a Neil Warnock side that much respect? Like, mm-hmm. just play your own game. The results will come. And Maddo made a great point on the phone and as well um, in, in that he said 
a coach will come in sometimes, look at the players he has at his disposal and think what's the the best way to to get the the best out of these players. I, f- I feel like Carrick did that last season. I think the the formation that he he had set up from from pretty much when he came in was was spot on for the personnel we had. You've got it set up perfectly to utilize Ryan Giles to to utilize Huber Akbom. I don't think that's it. I don't think it's utilizing anyone to the strengths at the moment. The only one I could put, potentially say is being used to their strength is Latte Laugh because he's making a lot of runs through, not being picked up a lot of the time, but he, he is getting in those positions. Of, you know, I think he probably missed about five or six one on ones yesterday, which is probably not what we want to be seeing from him at all. I think I've got to give uh, Begovic credit for for making himself big in those situations, but. Latter Laugh's probably the only person I can say is is being utilised to to play to his strengths in this formation, but it's it's nowhere near the same system as last season or or same roles. But I, I you know I appreciate we've had a, a big change in in personnel, but if a different formation and a different system is going to get the best out of these players, we should be doing it. I just don't think like I I, I don't think that we know what the the best formation or system for these players is. And this should should have been done in pre-season. We've had plenty of time to to actually test it. And now I feel like it's been tested in the first five games of the season and we still don't know. So, yeah, to come back to it, a lot of work to be done in the next two weeks. I think considering two of our our biggest coaches, one's uh, ex-England international, used to play for, for Man United, one of the best passes of the ball as well to add on to that and then see our centre midfielders with such a poor choice of pass selection yesterday and one of his assistant coaches, ex-England international Real Madrid centre-back and we can't get a defence actually organised so we we need to be be working extra hard on the training ground in this next two weeks so that I don't want to be seeing this for the rest of the season. Yeah, it's a, it's a strange position it being isn't it? I think the Mackie takeaway uh, for me is if you don't finish your chances you get punished we've created plenty of chances in the games that we've played this year um, and not taken them and been you know punished for it I'm just thinking of Sammy Silvera he's had a couple of chances where Huddersfield Coventry those games change we win those games or we go at least get something from them yesterday like laugh had a few chances hasn't put them away and I think if these chances happen you have a completely different conversation, don't you? You think, oh, well, you know, nine points from, from 15, like that's quite a decent start, you know, a lot of transition changing. The fact that we haven't got any changes, a whole narrative as well. And, you know, like you'll hear like underlying numbers suggesting they'll come on to it a little bit later on, but our numbers are actually quite good. It's just we've, there's some things that have fell, have fell off a cliff, like our pressing, I think it's fell off a cliff a little bit. We're not as a collective pressing unit anymore. The 4-2-4 system, look, you look, and how you play possession and, and all this kind of stuff, it all relies on off-the-ball movement, really. I think when you're looking at how the best teams will look to try and manipulate a player, Manchester City, for a prime example, they're happy to, to play you know, a little bit slower, possession-based, or play the long ball over the top. But the aim is off-the-ball movement will get you the space. And then once you've got space, you create plenty of options for yourself. But we haven't done that, and I think that is the reason why um, we are where we are. I think confidence is on the floor. I think there was too much yesterday around um, not wanting to to take a chance. I think uh, Latte Laugh for me, and I'll come on to it in a bit, has unbelievable movement at times. He's always trying to get around the defender. He's always in that little pocket of space. He's always on his side. He's trying to like get ready for the run. And we're just not picking him out. I think we're happy, too happy to try and play it to, to Hackney and then back to McNair and back to the goalkeeper and then to the other side. And we'll try and horseshoe it have that confidence and belief that sometimes if you give the ball away, that is absolutely fine. I'd rather someone give the ball away trying to play the right pass or a, 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 an extravagant pass than <laughs> than just constantly trying to play it safe. And, and I think that's why we're seeing what we're seeing at the moment. But we have got a win to talk about because we did come behind at the tough sheet um, to, to win 3-1. And then is that an indicator at all? Maybe that what could be this season because that second the first half was quite poor the second half was was much much better the second half showed what should be right now a team passing with intent with purpose 
with quickness and tempo because that put Bolton under significant pressure. I noticed in the second half as well, immediately we had about, I think we had two players booked in a period of maybe 30 seconds because we were actually pressing. That wasn't just us closing down. It was a, an organised team press. But it, it had to be better than the than the first half because it was absolutely terrible. You would have thought that Borough were the League One side and Bolton were the Championship side. And to be honest, you could tell within the first two minutes exactly how Bolton were trying to attack us and to exploit us because I think Dill Fry is man-marking Carlos Mendes Gomez at a point within that opening two minutes. And he he flies out to the, the right-hand side to track him. And then our defence shifts over, Engel moves in central. But there's far too much of a gap between him and, and Lenahan. And make a note of that because it was a big part, a big problem in their goal. Sheehan makes a run into that space, but thankfully Engel manages to to cover, which in fairness to Engel, he's good at covering, but a lot of the time it's actually him recovering because his position is just not it. Like he's, I feel like he's not being utilised in the way that I feel like he should be, but also defensively, I think his position is a bit poor. Um, but yeah, our defensive shape as a collective is a mess. We allow far too much room between the fullback and the centre-half. I mean, to be fair, Bolton, they had a lot of runners in, in and around the 18-yard box. But but their goal, Deion Charles, 23 minutes in, we sit off them to start with. We allow them to basically push on us. Uh, Aaron Morley picks up the ball about three yards off the centre circle. He chips the ball over the top. And suddenly, you see Lucas Engler is about 10 yards deeper than anybody else in our back line. Again, too much space between him and, and Daryl Lenahan. So once I think it's Gethin Jones plays a cut back into the area, Sheehan has made that run into that space. He shoots. It's kind of like a cross-coming shot because he kind of skews it in that area between the goalkeeper and the defender. And then Glover parries it. Dion Charles porches 1-0. It was better in the second half, I will say. I think Hackney got on the ball more, definitely. I think we were a lot more aggressive, as I said, that press. I think Crooks as well actually was making some really good runs, but all in all, that first half was absolutely terrible. Really good that we got that win. But then again, if you follow that win up with a defeat, then that defeat becomes the foremost important part of, of a fan's focus because it's the very last thing that you saw. So frustrating. First half was shocking. Second half, much, much better. But then obviously we've taken a backward step with a defeat against QPR and an utterly, utterly abysmal performance. Tom, we we speak about... Um like parallels and history is always a good thing in football because you know certain things happen at certain times but all three or four season we were exactly the same bottom of the table one draw four defeats went in the cup run and it ignited the season do you think that that can can do the same thing this year appreciate we don't have men yet we don't have Ginny we don't have Danny Mills we don't have balls and we don't have these elite players but the point I'm trying to make is can a cup run maybe ignite what we want to do is sit this season in the in the league. I don't think so. Uh unless we're we're gonna celebrate the twenty year anniversary of it by doing exactly the same thing. I d <laughs> I, I don't think so. Cause I, like I say, I I think there's too much in, in need of of being fixed to think about that at the moment. I think one thing that cup game did show is that our best player was sat on the bench for for most of the game yesterday. I, I mean, it's it's mind-blowing to me how Sammy Silvera got a full 90 minutes because he yeah. was terrible yesterday. McGree should have been on from the start, and I don't know why he's not on from the start at the moment, but I, I would say that's one of the things in this system that that needs to change. One of the, the best things about the system last year was McGree playing on that left-hand side, more of an attacking midfielder more narrow than than a winger and creating that space for the the wing back and and we just kind of don't see that anymore but he he came on and changed the game so i, I think you, you you need to put him back in the squad uh, back in the first 11 based on that um and and you're based on anything he's done since he's he's came on in uh sub appearances and stuff this season cuz he he has been one of our best players if not the best player and it's it's baffling as to why he's not getting on the pitch but yeah, I mean that that cup game. It should have been enough of a lifter to get us over QPR yesterday, and then, like I said, just just a baffling decision to to leave him out. And it it should have been so much better yesterday. I think a cup run can ignite a season, but not when you draw Bradford away in the next round. 
Like you need that proper Premier League scalp, not Bradford away. But <laughs> also, also like take the learnings from the cup run, and it doesn't look like we've done that to the league. You mentioned there, Tom, around McGreen not being in the squads. Two players that did play the game, Crooks and Force, they're now injured out until after the national break, apparently. Do you think they're just as big of a miss as well? Because, you know, obviously McGree brings a lot to, to the team, but Marcus Force was really influential last year. Crooks, probably prior to January, when we had when he had to play as the number nine, was influential in games. But what do you think? Do you think they're going to be quite a big miss? Or I'd, think- I'd say Force is. Crooks, I don't like seeing him playing up front at the moment. I didn't like seeing him playing as number 10 either. I would much prefer to see him in one of the centre midfield roles. And I think... One small positive I can take out of yesterday for me is that Coburn is looking a lot better than the last time I saw him play. I think in terms of his attacking movement, I mean, every time I see him, he looks bigger. Uh, so I'll get that out of <laughs> the way first. It, that, just, it, it seems to be every game, he's just a little bit bigger. But, um, you know, it, he, he's strong, he's mobile. And his positioning yesterday for some of the balls we were playing to him, usually balls over the top, he was just getting in front of the the defender and holding that defender off and making sure he got to the ball first. I think his his attacking movement is looking better than than last time I saw him play. And I think compared to Crooks, he is probably the better option as as second choice striker at the moment. So it might be a, a small blessing in disguise if I'd, obviously I don't want Crooks to be seriously injured or anything like that. But if he does have to kind of miss the the next game and Coburn gets his chance because of that, that might be a kind of small blessing in disguise. But I do think the, that we do miss uh, Marcus Force on the right. I did like kind of seeing him play there last year as, as much as I would love to see him play up front instead. I think he, he did a, a good job there and was able to to cut inside onto his left and, and get decent shots off quite a few times. So I, I think as, as a player of first-team quality, Force is definitely going to be a a big miss. Okay, then. Uh, well, let's move on um, and chat about QPR because we've, you've both mentioned it. Um, and obviously, Andre Dessel scored an absolute screamer to put the, the R's one low up and then call back, finish the, the game off. And it, it was probably one of the best strikes I've ever seen live. I think Andre Dessel's goal, to be honest. Yeah. It was, it's up there with, I think, Emma oh, Hughes, Birmingham, oh, yes. I think, against us. Yeah, I'd probably say. Yeah, Fair good play. boring knowledge. Uh, yeah, good boring knowledge. Yeah. Uh, um, Thanks. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, um, but yeah, like that. Honestly, that was a great finish. But you know, callback finished the job. Borough one point from fifteen, bottom of the table. Dan, I know you, you're doing it a little bit earlier. That the system wasn't really working too much. It was abysmal. But how would you assess things uh, yesterday? Because it just felt very, very flat. Yeah, that's one word for it, Johnny. You know what? We have had time to. <laughs> we've had time to disconnect and just basically emotionally disengage from this game. And I've woke up this morning and I still think we were utterly shite yesterday. It was painful to watch at times, really frustrating, just a tough watch generally from us because we looked like we had never stepped on a football pitch. You know, that 11 had never played together ever passing pace of the game, set pieces, finishing, defending the attacks down the wings. It was shocking. It it was really bad. I can't pick out a single positive from that game on the pitch. But I tell you what, off it, we did have one positive and it was that they finally sorted out those bloody scoreboards. They finally sorted the scoreboards, but back onto the game, <laughs> honestly, it was terrible. It, you can't, you cannot sugarcoat that game. There was not one positive from it. Again, yeah, the build-up just really—it's not working. The four-two-four is not working. Silvera was doing my head in every time he cut in. He was aiming for Yusuf in the south stand. His shooting was terrible. Um, Rogers, every time it came into Rogers, I will credit Morgan Fox here because I noticed he was doing a really good job man marking him. Every time Morgan Rogers took the ball, his margin for error was very, very low because he was constantly swarmed. If, if, sorry, if Morgan Fox wasn't already on Morgan Rogers, then he was on him like a flash. And it was, it made it really difficult for the ball to stick because he kept losing it. He kept losing it because Morgan Rogers was breathing that. Morgan Fox, sorry, there's too many Rod- Morgans. Um, Morgan Fox was breathing <laughs> down Rogers. his neck. 
(laughs) (laughs) What's going on? He was struggling out there as I am struggling to get my words out right now. And it made it really difficult for Borough to just maintain possession and to get any any sort of thing going. And then to add to that, obviously, as I mentioned, the build-up was just not working, kept breaking down. And again, Lucas Engel really wanted to see him more advanced in the in the pitch in the first half because obviously he was on my side in the East Stand. I was like, get up, get up the pitch. There is room there to be able to exploit them. But on the flip side of that, we were getting exploited out wide and all it took was a little dribbly Elias chair getting out as one-on-one, which is a problem in itself as well because why are our fullbacks defending one-on-one? Why is there no tracking back from the wingers? Just really poor. I Honestly, that's the worst game that I've seen since probably the start of last season, I would say. Yeah, just just on Engel, um, if for me, like yesterday, it looked like oh, the way he's currently positioned, it's like he's like playing with a handbrake on. Do you know what I mean? Like... Yeah, whatever reason is. we've we've been told like to just set in the shape, uh, set in the shape. And last year, I could understand where the reason why we are playing like more of a flat four. I think just like last year when Giles got forward, McGree was more central. You've created so much space behind you to cover, so you easily get transitioned against on that right hand side. This year, we've kind of went okay. Well, we'll try and nullify that by keeping our full back forward, but then we kind of lost something because of that. And that's, that's things in football. But for me, Engel, he was quite dangerous. I, in the last 25 minutes, when he was when he got down, he, got, he overlapped his, def, uh, his fullback and he tried to get a ball in the box. I thought, you know what? That's exactly what I was hoping to see from you. And like, I still stand by. I think he's a good signing. I just want him to just like take the game out of the scruff of the neck, like we were saying like in previous uh, podcasts. Just, just go for it. Like, I'm not bothered. Like if we if we go for games and we get, get uh, we are a gung ho side, and I think we went from trying to be a gung ho side to a more like structured approach. And I think just don't think which is ironic, is kind of, isn't it? Yeah, which is a bit is terrible. Which is a bit odd, and I don't think we we really need to do it. Sometimes your best form of uh, of defense is, is attack, really, and I think just, we just need to to kind of make the most of those moments. Um, but yeah, for me, Engel, like, just just take the handbrake off him. Just let just let him let yeah. him get forward. Let him get forward and, and do. He's what definitely he needs to being do. shackled, isn't he? He's being shackled by, well, on instruction because I'm convinced he's not doing that naturally. He is an attack-minded fullback. Everything that we were told about him. I mean, he, he used to be a winger. Quite recently, actually, it wasn't until he he came to Silkeborg that they turned him into a a left back. So. He's definitely being shackled, but I do want to say that you know we shouldn't really, and I don't, I don't think we are. But I want to make it very clear that we're not singling him out because every single player on that pitch was incredibly poor yesterday, apart from Jones. But yeah, every time I think about that game, it pains me because I felt like I thought frustrated, if that makes sense. But I felt physically frustrated after the game. That's why I've got this stress whale in my hand at the moment because honestly, it was just a. Really, really abject performance. There are so many buzzwords that you can blurt out to describe this. Abject, abysmal, really disappointing, frustrating, infuriating, shite. Sorry, and I've sworn like five times in this podcast, but it just epitomises the emotion after that game. We're so much better than that, or we should be. But that was really, really bad. Tom, on the flip side, Bora creating chances. It's the fifth game in a row that we've created more chances than the opposition, but we still find ourselves in on on the end of a bad result. So what what's going on? Like what's going on? Like like last year was a bit different. We were smashing chances away, but this year is a bit different. What, what's what's going on? I wish I knew. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're just nowhere near as clinical, are we? Like I, I think Ladder Laugh must have missed about five or six one on ones yesterday. And he was getting in good positions to to do him as well. I don't know if it's just kind of decision making, holding onto the ball too long, you know, where he's trying to place those shots, but they're the the kind of big chances that I can I can remember seeing from us yesterday, other than, you know, Sam Greenwood having to go from twenty five yards and, and forcing a pretty decent save out of out of Begovic. But I wouldn't exactly class that as like a high quality chance or anything, because it just came out of nowhere. So it it just seems to be that we're not as clinical 
and I think that definitely comes down to the quality of the players that we we have at our disposal. Don't have Chubarakpom anymore. We don't have Cameron Archer anymore. I'm going to give Lato Laff his, his due. His movement's great, and I think we've we've paid there for the attributes that he currently has. Skill wise, he's not near the the level of Cameron Archer. I think the the plan probably is to to train him to get to hopefully get somewhere near that level to the point where where he is contributing those goals and then probably has resale value from from that because let's, let's be honest, like if he has the attributes that he currently has and could finish a one on one consistently and has that composure, he wouldn't be playing for us. He'd be playing in in the top league. We've we've definitely paid for the attributes that he currently has and and the potential that he has. But he needs to to be more composed in front of goal to to put those chances away. And I think in general the the chances that that we're creating as well, we're just not fast enough in building them up. It, it, it's like we're we're constantly trying to create that perfect angle, or, or you know play that perfect pass. It's it, there's a lot of small you know five yard passes on the edge of the box just trying to create like a one-two to get us into that, that position. And you know what? I'm pretty sure I said the same thing last year about under Wilder when we were having the similar situation of oh, all the underlying stats are there, but we can't finish. And we were doing exactly the same thing there. We have been far too patient in the build-up. There's, there's being patient and there's letting the team recover and get into a new defensive shape to, to, to stop us. So, yeah, I, I think in, in terms of chance creation, we need to be much quicker on the ball and it's probably going to come with, with getting confidence back up and hopefully getting our strikers to, to just put a couple of them away. Can I just add to yeah. that about the speed? I would, I looked at Opta Analyst before the game yesterday, so this could well have updated since, but Boris direct speed is middle of the pack. We travel with the ball at, at 1.77 metres per second, which again, middle of the pack. I feel like Borough were much quicker last season and going into yesterday's game, one of my pod note questions was, can I say with confidence that we are not pedestrian, slow, laboured, etc.? My answer to that is no, because we were pedestrian, slow and laboured. And it's frustrating because when you think of last season, and I know that it's, it isn't the same personnel as last season, but we were so quick and incisive and we cut through teams at will. I'm not expecting that, but I expect us to not be how we are now, which which is slow and predictable. And we don't really force things through that way. And we don't stretch teams. I think if you up the tempo, you stretch teams, you get them to move around the other side of the pitch. So it opens up the other side of the pitch. We're not doing that. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's it's just like obviously speed's uh, probably the, the key term of, of football. You know, I think when you look at movement off the ball, the speed to make a decision, speed of possession, um, speed of like physical attributes, football is really about speed and, speed and space really. I think when you're able to occupy space and use speed to take advantage of that. You create plenty of chances. Um, and we, we haven't really done that, but then there was probably, I would say positives yesterday in terms of, oh, even first glances, you know, Sam Greenwood coming in, Lewis O'Brien, uh, both, they both made the debut. Can you like see them coming in and making an improvement and becoming starters in the side after the international break? Yeah. My favorite part of the game yesterday was when Lewis O'Brien came onto the pitch because 
I don't care if I've seen him for like 20 minutes in a Borussia, but for me, he should be starting because he's such a well-rounded midfielder. He is very much box to box. He can tackle. We saw that yesterday. He can travel with the ball. He's a foul magnet. He won the second most fouls in the championship the season before last. He can dictate a game. He can link up really well with the teammates. He's just a really top quality midfielder. If we get the Lewis O'Brien of the last time that he was at Huddersfield in 2020-21, was that? Or 21-22, I can't remember. But yeah, I really want to see him start and I think he should be there in place of Housen. Sam Green would look good. I enjoyed that shot that he had because within that, he picked up a really good pocket of space just outside the 18-yard box. And what I like about Sam Greenwood is that he's... Um, he doesn't have a, a weak foot, so he can shoot on his left, he sh- can shoot on his right. So um, is that ambidextrous? Is that what it's called? Yeah. So I think that's really positive. So I'd like to see more of him, but it was, yeah, two positive cameos there, but I, I do want to see Lewis O'Brien start the next game. Yeah, and I, I think he'd be a good fit as well. I think we're just thinking there, like how Green would fit. Um, what would we look to do um, going forward? Greenwood in that 10 role, McGree on the left. Would like to see Rogers on, Rogers on the wing. I think his attributes as, as a player definitely suit to the ball being in front of him and just trying to drive at players. I think that's where you probably get the most out of him. We've got a lot of different players this year. Last year where we were trying to get balls in the box this year, we've got loads of dribbly forwards um, who <laughs> would just like to get the ball forward, try to take them on, but haven't really seen it too much to try. I think what we are doing is and I've kind of picked up on it is Silvera. And when you look at the other winger, whoever played there, like Jones, the first aim that they want to do is not to get down at the byline. It's more to come inwards and try to play the ball through. Whereas last year, it was more of a case of instead of trying to play through, we played outwards. And I think that's why you see this this narrowness. Um, and I think a 4-2-4, if you are to play that system, um, you want your wing backs to, not your wing backs, your wingers, to really stay wide. So that's how you stretch teams out. This year, it's more of a case of, right, let's just try and play inwards and just try to get the ball in behind. But I don't think it's going to work. There is moments where I see it and I go, yes, okay, I get that. But I think right now, I don't think it does work. What you will probably best see is if your winger is able to come in and your wing back can try and play the ball like from the byline and try to get it, like play it back, that's where it probably suit us. It doesn't really suit us right now. Um, and that's probably the main difference from last year in terms of system shapes. You can say, oh, 4 2 4, 3 2 5 main real state of players that we're trying to move inwards instead of outwards and mm. we don't really have someone in the box where I think well we can maybe say he scored against West Brom with the headlighter laugh um, the option the ability to do that that connection might take time but for me yeah we've got, we've got a load of dribbly forwards that will try and bring the ball inwards but that is also like not a bad thing either it's just how can you play the strengths to it and you can do that by keeping them wide so if we are to keep with this 4-2-4 system maybe play with four you know and try to like keep them like compact at the back and then keep your wingers wide and then see how that goes but for me you can't do what we're doing because it doesn't really work which may seal change shape i wouldn't i wouldn't even be surprised if we move to like a three four two one to be honest because then your dribbly forwards can can stay behind the, the stay behind the center forwards your wing backs provide width you've got enough compact shape behind you and then you've got like a low box midfield as well if you really want to, to utilise that as well with your two centre mids and your two forwards in, in front of that as well. So there's plenty of things you can do. There's so many systems you can change. The 3-4-2-1 is not too similar to the 3-2-5 the we played last year. There's loads of stuff we can do, but I'm excited to see what we do in the international break because it, it's really big time for us. And I think I know Tom mentioned it, you were, uh, mentioned it a little bit earlier on about the underlying numbers. I had a quick scan of them as well around XG and expected goals against... And actually, this year, we pretty much emulate last year. And what the difference is between Wilder and what Carrick is, is that Chris Wilder's tenure, the end of his tenure, probably from March time, Middlesbrough's expected goals actually started to go on like a downward curve over 11-game period. From the start of the season, Borough's XG and their expected goals against, so conceded big chances, was going up. So Borough were not make, making as much and then giving more away. Well, Leo comes in, Borough's expected goals flies up and then goes up even further to averaging over two goals a game um, under Carrick. And it goes really, really high. We Our XG is fantastic at one point, but we, we do give away some big chances, but we're scoring more to kind of mitigate that. This year where it's different 
from what Carrick and what Wilder was is actually an all like the both emulate to some extent 1.26 for Wilder and it's 1.28 for Carrick. 0.8 against for, for Wilder, 0.7 for Carrick. So better defensively, better going forward. But actually, we're creating more chances than we're giving away quite substantially. But we're just conceding stupid chances and not point chances away. And that if you don't finish chances, then you may as well just pack in because you're going to get beat. Every- and that's where Bora currently at. But there is, it's very, very early in, in the day. But then we are bottom of the league now. And off the ball, it seems to be a real issue as well. So how would you think we can look to improve in in that area? I want to see a more concerted effort to press. And I don't just mean hopefully chasing defenders and hopefully trying to close them down. I mean a, a set planned type of press because we're far too passive. We really are. Our PPDA, which is passes per defensive action, I'd look at it. It's 15.6, which means we allow the opposition around 15 passes before we press. That's mixing it with the likes of Cardiff, Chef Wednesday, Rotherham, QPR. I think it's the seventh highest in the league. So we do allow a lot of passes before we decide to press an, an action. So I want to see that number change. I want to see us allow far less passes from the opposition because... Again, like I said, we are incredibly passive and I also don't think we're aggressive enough. Like yesterday, yes, it was a fantastic shot from Dizel. It, it it really was. But then I don't really see us trying to engage. We disengage and that's what I don't get. It's like it's a very easy thought to think we need a bit of a outhouse in midfield to snap into somebody but I just think we just need a little bit we're too nice I think we're we're far too nice and it's a very Warnockism isn't it because I remember when he criticized Anthony Dykesteel in the press for not taking a yellow card once but maybe we just need that type of Rottweiler type midfielder that we've been missing for quite some years now we had it with Morsey to be fair and he came on this podcast and we cursed him and he left but somebody that I think can just be aggressive when we need them to be we're far too nice in midfield and yeah what I want to see more pressing because we're not pressing I think our PPD has fallen off a cliff from last season and then probably just someone someone in midfield there that can honestly just be aggressive just be aggressive um slap someone's heels I don't know I don't care we're just far too nice at the moment and it's frustrating to watch I, I don't think it's even aggressive I think it's just being assertive like really a certain game for someone like um mm. you want someone you don't you don't have to be aggressive in football you just got to try and be on the front foot and try to take a game to someone and that's well that's how I see the game anyway and I think that's how we should we should try to operate and you know like you mentioned in there on Boris pressing and being way off like also player intuition as well like you can blame the coaching staff all you want but end of the day it's only really about 25% of how they influence like the rest of it is what can a player do? What's his thought process? What's he thinking at that stage? And how can they like imp- impact games? Because you can set up perfectly. You can have the most perfect shape. You can have the perfect like way to press. You can set things up eight, at the end of like a training session. You could do something perfect, but a match day, it's on at the players. Like they've got to really, you know, take advantage of the stuff that we're trying to do. And if you know, if sometimes if shape doesn't work, you can change and try and change it. But at the end of the day. It's also players. Well, I think it is down to them, and the only people that can get them out of them is is them. Karius obviously not not prone to criticism as well. He he deserves it at times. I think he's done a couple of mistakes, but for me, it's more the players than I think the management staff at the moment. Uh, but Tom, is there anything that does give you hope though after the international break? Because you know there is time to to work on the training pitch, and you know like under Karanka, we used to be crap for the first like five six games, then come back and do really well. So. Is there anything that does give you hope coming back after the after the break? No, not really. I haven't Fantastic. seen anything to I haven't seen anything to be positive about or anything. I think the the only hope is that we do utilize this next two weeks and we come back looking better. But that's not a hope based on anything I've seen so far this season. It's just I really, really hope that happens because it's gonna be <laughs> a long season if that doesn't. How would you think we resolve it then? What would you do? Well, obviously, what would you do? You can't, you're not saying transactions, but how would you um, <laughs> look to try and improve things uh, in, in, in the break? How would you try and resolve the Boris issues? 
Well, I, I think the issues that we're having with such basic things, and it, it, it is the likes of, say, like like I said earlier, pass selection from our centre midfielders, which I don't think we had a problem with last year. Carrick came in and Borough posted the videos of his first training session where he's given, given our centre mids advice on, you know, shifting the play and positioning and body positioning and stuff like that. That he should be still doing that on the training ground and 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 helping to kind of eliminate some of these some of these very very basic problems because you know for, first game or two where we were look, looking at it thinking our, our passing's like a yard behind people we were thinking okay that that's probably going to get resolved the more this team gels we're still seeing it now and it was probably worse than ever against QPR we looked like a team we've never played together before so it, it's going to be training to do with cohesion and and you know tactical training and stuff like that really coach these flaws out of them because at the moment like i said they, they don't look like they've ever played together yeah you want you need to do a good old team bonding exercise you know spaghetti and marshmallows that all like corporate <laughs> cheap away uh, thing that they do but obviously with with that as well you know, there's, there's plenty of stuff to do, but I agree with you, Tom. The, the two look a bit disjointed, but then is there anything that you would like to see post-international break? How can Bora try and resolve things? Just revert back to the three-two-five. Like, you know, we have Lenahan, Fry, Smith as a back three, Housen and Hackney, or, or Brian and Hackney as a midfield two, and then five forwards, which would, you know, have those two wide players. Because last season, and again, you know, we are going to talk a lot about last season because it's the comparisons and it opens up a lot of conversations as to why we are seeing Borough start the way that we have. But having that width on that left-hand side in particular just allowed McGree to come in central whilst maintaining Borough's width in general. So it just gave us a really good platform to be able to have McGree venture into that half space, the area between the fullback and the centre half, and also still have that option out wide. If we are getting crowded out a little bit, just to alleviate a little bit of pressure and stretch the play and try to break through that way. It's frustrating watching us at the moment. Again, I don't really know why we've changed tack because I just don't think that losing Giles and, etc is enough to then completely like abandon it if we were to start with that three two five build up and then it doesn't work then you can say fair enough at least we tried it but even in pre-season we were playing with that narrowness I can't stand the narrowness I can't stand the narrowness when you don't have width to complement it we don't have that um, and particularly we don't have those advanced players in in the final third to be able to just give us that route through out wide because I will say Jones had a few moments the other day, yesterday, where he got to the byline and looked really dangerous. And then when Engel did move over into a more advanced area, I think it just gave us that extra option. And that's what I really want to see. I don't want to see Engel or Bangura or Coulson, whoever plays on that left-hand side, be shackled and instructed to stay back. As Tom said, I don't care if it's Huddersfield at home. We should be really imposing our game on Huddersfield at home rather than being a bit... Um, not negative, I don't want to say negative, but trying to basically pander to them. I know that obviously you kind of have to to negate other teams' strengths, but we should have enough in us, surely, to beat Huddersfield. But I don't know. Yeah, different teams have different strengths and different weaknesses, which makes the game fun. You know what I mean? I think that's why you never see the same game over and over again. The three-two-five is something that we utilised last year. Can we go back to it? I think if we did go back to it, it'd still be a difference. You know, the players are, that are there now are different from what we had last year. And, you know, you can't really play the same. It's Sometimes you can. You can play a very similar, but you can't replicate exactly everything from last year, which is maybe we've kind of went away and thought, oh, well, yeah, well, you're saying that, and we've lost these players, so maybe let's change it. Let's see how this 3-2-5 looks, and then maybe tweak it from there rather than what we've done previously but let's move on trying to do praise and place the present pra- praise and place is the place i'd like to give praise uh to dan's shithouse island t-shirt tom's max water memorabilia shirt just behind him and any uh my chips and gravy yesterday which were absolutely fantastic tom i'll come to you first who is in your praise and place this week no one nothing fantastic. to smile about in my life mate but uh... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't think anyone deserves it this week, to be honest. Um, Dana, anyone in yours? 
I'm going to go with Jones again. I think Jones was bright. He is so incredibly right-footed, though, isn't he? So, so incredibly right-footed. So maybe, like, I, I did say in our Telegram chat, I want to see him on the left. I want to see him back on the right. I want to see him back on the right. I want to see us getting him to the byline and pulling the ball back that way. That's the strength of Azari Jones. He's very good at doing that. So, yeah, I'm going to say him. I was surprised when he got taken off. I'm surprised when Silvera lasted 90 minutes. I don't think he should have. I think Silvera will be good, but he just frustrated me yesterday. He really, really did. But Jones was the bright spark for me, so I'm going to put him in the present place. Cool. Um, I'll put him in there as well. He's frustrating as I Jones to watch, but I think he deserves the uh, the plaudits yesterday. But I think O'Brien's and Greenwood were really good as well. So have some light praise. Um, but quickly, before we move on to the transfer window in general, um, just want to give a push to the FCAs. The voting closes on Sunday at midnight. Uh, so if you listen, it was tomorrow uh, on Monday. Well, it's too late. Too late. Uh, for now. <laughs> Too late for now. So if you listen to us on Sunday, this is exactly for you. If you haven't voted for us already, you can go to the footballcontinentawards.com to scroll down to best podcast and then football league and then type in for a breakdown and vote for us there. Or you can vote for us on Instagram. Um, if you go onto the Football Content Awards page and find best podcast and then also you can tweet it as well. So there's plenty of ways to vote. We go with finalists last year. We want to go, want to do one better this year. We want to see if we can get a third, second, or even a first. Who knows? We can't do it if you haven't bought it for us. But anyway, let's move on. Transfer window. 12 players signed, 15 players departed, 15 included all the loans that we had last year. But what was your thoughts on the window, guys? Uh, Tom, do you think it was a decent window? I thought it was all right. You know, I, I can see what we're trying to do with it. We are trying to sign players with potential and and sell on value at the same time we're trying to give ourselves that kind of first in quality to to work with and you know we've had to replace key players as well I, I very much like the the acquisition of Dieng to replace Stefan with I'm still looking forward to seeing what's to come from a few players Vandenberg looks like an absolute unit um, for for nineteen year olds as well. I was like, he is absolutely massive. He, he had a run against Huddersfield, I think, and he just looked like a tank. Like he's <laughs> going to run over anything that's in his way. So I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what what uh, what kind of comes from him. I do still like the look of Morgan Rogers. I think it's just going to be the case of trying to find his best position or how best to to utilize Morgan Rogers. But I think we picked up a a good player there. So yeah, I think overall it's a it's a decent transfer window. Obviously, I, I get that some people are going to be hearing that and thinking that we've not won in in the first five. Like it, <laughs> it's an atrocious transfer window and stuff like that. But quality wise, I still think we've got it there. It's just we're not utilizing it properly. And like I said, this is all going to come down to to work on the training ground and hopefully come back better after the break. But I, I I don't kind of want to sound negative, like being carried out or anything like that. But I feel like there's managers who could get the best out of out of these players. I'm not by no means saying Sakarik and let's do that, but it goes to show the quality of these players. It's it's not like we're a very very poor team and anyone's going to struggle. And you know we're going to require like a a Neil Warnock miracle to start picking up points at the end of the season or anything like that. I think we've got the quality there. Like I say, we just need to utilise it properly. Dana, what about, what do you think? Is there anyone that excites you out of the transfer window? I think Lewis O'Brien's my favourite transfer. Honestly, he, as I said, if we can get the Lewis O'Brien of you know the, the playoff season for Huddersfield, then we've got a very, very good player there, a very complete midfielder. Our squad depth, we definitely fill positions numerically. The quality, of course, remains to be seen. I think Dieng's been a good signing so far. The data shows the exact opposite. <laughs> if you want to put much weight into that, but from the eye test, he's been fine. Honestly, there's not a goal that he's really been at fault for. You could maybe squeeze out a slight bit of question mark over the the Lucas Engel back pass, but to be fair, Thomas Asante just takes this this deft touch. Um, around him very quickly after a rather bad first one. But Dieng's been a good signing. Rogers, I do like, although he had a bit of a stinky yesterday. I think the jury's out on the rest of them, to be honest. But I like how we have changed. 
our approach and gone for players that do have that high resale value because it might not be working right now. It doesn't mean that it's a complete flop and a failure. What I do want to see, though, potentially is a 4-3-3 because O'Brien, for me, gets into that midfield. It might be premature for me to say, but just from what I've seen of Lewis O'Brien in the past, he's a very good midfielder. I want to see him start. Housen can be the sitter. Your shout, Johnny, for the three at the back, I just don't think we have enough centre-back depth, which is what I'm looking at and thinking maybe that could be a problem. And then up front as well. I really wanted to see us, sorry, sign that extra striker. But all in all, it's been pretty good. Time will tell on a lot of them. But yeah, we've filled that position. I mean, at the start of the window, we only had Hayden Coulson as a left-back option. Now we've got three options at left-back. So that's a big plus because that was a big problem position going into the window. It's a shame that obviously we've lost at Pom. But I think there's certain attributes of Rogers that could end up being good. Although at the moment, I don't think it's quite working for him in the number ten position. Okay, then and then there's another outgoing as well. Um, obviously, Chew is the big miss, but the one that was kind of always a big story was Martin Piero leaving. Um, he signed for Udinese. So why do you think it didn't work out for Martin Piero? Because there was so much excitement for him, wasn't there, when he when he came in and just never ever worked, did it? Uh, too much barbecue, I think, was the, the problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I'd, I'd be interested to kind of know the behind the scenes details of that. I do wonder if the language barrier was a problem. Obviously, it was. It was. Uh, mentioned when he came in that he didn't speak English and, you know, Mac Rooks was having to kind of teach him some some English words from sitting next to him in the changing room. What I do think went against him was the fact that he he was signed clearly by the recruitment team and wasn't fancied by the manager at the time in Warnock. Then, you know, Warnock had a good 10 games of of really using him sparingly, even though... We could see a bit of quality from him when when he came on. I think he came on against Bristol City that first home game back after after COVID. And you know, in terms of ball carrying, he did look fairly decent. You might think, oh, there's something here. He's got decent goal to get away at Cardiff, but he just ne- never seemed fancied by Warnock. Then you know, Wilder comes in, has his own way of playing. Piero doesn't really fit that. Does he really fit into Carrick's way of playing? I haven't seen any of the the games where he's even been on the pitch throughout preseason or the the cup games which weren't televised. So I, I couldn't couldn't say if he fit into that formation or not. But it didn't sound like he did on BBC T's and and from from what Maddo was saying. So I think he's probably been the victim of a few manager changes. But um, you know he, he's clearly got some quality there. Otherwise he wouldn't have been the Boca Juniors and he he wouldn't have ended up at Udinese. It's one of those players I need that'll probably sign for a random Premier League club for like for like hundred. No, it's time for Watford. Oh yeah, he'll sign yeah, for Watford. That's just he's, the, he's the journey, isn't it? The second half of the season yeah. once he's joined in January. I want to say yeah. on him though, Craig Johns. Uh, obviously, the reports of Piero's fee was, I think, much more than what uh, it actually was. So Craig said that most of the rumours regarding Piero's fee were inflated in South American reports to include potential performance-related bonuses that have obviously never been met. Uh, so he believes it was around three million that we actually paid for Martin Piero, which is still, you know, a waste of money, really. But he was—he ju- didn't just didn't impress. He didn't impress three managers, so we're not surprised that he's gone. Unfortunately, I feel sorry yeah, for whoever got the the Martin Piero ten on the back of their shirt to try and get signed one. There'll be a lot of people that did that amongst the craze and hype over him and <laughs> those shirts are basically redundant now yeah i mean they were anyway yeah oh well we move we move on the four players then that we want we do much about as well that have left the uh, akpom giles ramsey archer they've gone on uh to bigger and probably better things um for 50 million collated fees um in in the summer akpom obviously went to, to ajax giles has gone to luton who look uh, Fish out of water in, in the Premier League, to be honest. Um, yeah. Ramsey, you know, is that, is that Burnley and Cameron Archer um, made his debut for Sheffield United and arguably scored two. Yes, I know one's technically an own goal, but it wouldn't have happened if he didn't take that shot and showed his real quality yesterday uh, against Everton. Um, but does it show, uh, Dana, that Borough had a lot, a lot of quality going forward last year? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Does. I think we knew that at the time, didn't we? We were under no illusion that we had a very good attacking contingent and just a very good team. I am, however, and I know we have been guilty of this, a bit bored of talking about them now. We need our own 
new heroes. Um, we need our new Gileses and Archers and Ramses. So and at Poms. So yeah, hopefully we can get that so we can stop talking about them. The only reason we're talking about them still is because Bora are performing poorly. So hopefully that can change and we can we've obviously already bid them farewell, wish them all the best and then just forget that they ever existed, even though we can't, but you know, on this podcast anyway. Okay then. Um well I want to move on to something a little bit different to, to cheer you both up. Um I'm calling this topic what Nando sauce to borough players and coaching staff use. It's very random. Um and I just thought it would cheer you both up. Um so I'd go on the periometer. Uh you know, you obviously got your extra mild, your mild, your medium, your hot, and your extra hot. So obviously the extra mild is either plain or it's lemon and herb, really. Oh, it's a mild, whatever. And I want to kick things off with Michael Carrick. I'm going to say, what sauce does he have on his chicken? Is it extra hot, hot, medium, mild, or extra mild? Uh, Tom, what sauce does Michael Carrick have on his chicken? I reckon mild. You think so? Yeah, I think so. I think he could definitely be like more of like a... You know what? I could say he could be a plain guy, you know? I think he just just likes the simple things in life and just goes... I just want to play in chicken, please. I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't kind of go so far as to insult him and say he likes playing chicken, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I feel like mild is kind of like really, I don't know, kind of really suits his playing style as well from from his playing career, just kind of like that, that sitting deep midfielder. And yeah, I, I don't know. I think it, it kind of lines up well for some reason. I don't know why. Don't, don't ask me why, but I think that does connect well for some reason. I get what you mean. I get what you mean, but I'm going to flip it completely and say extra hot. Okay, why? I'm curious about answer. No, because I think I'm taking what Tom has said. He's he's very level-headed, Carrick, isn't he? Just generally, his management style is it, it, yeah, his management style is very level-headed. There were a few people giving him pelters yesterday after the game because he doesn't bark enough on the timeline. Like he's not Carlos Corbran and his flailing limbs. Carlos Corbran, by the way, is like those um, you know those those things outside of car dealerships in America. That's Carlos Corbran. Yeah. But um, Michael Carrick is like the opposite of that. He's just very kind of still and calm on the timeline, on the timeline, on the touchline. So I think that he would have extra hot just to spice things up a little bit. A little bit of a wild card. People would expect him to be mild, but I think he'll be extra hot. Okay. Well, I'm interested to hear what you think of this one because I'm going to go with Dale Fry for the next one. Um, <laughs> so for me, I just think this is extra hot with more chilies. He definitely has a hot shot palmo as well. Like, well, it doesn't go on us, but you know, he's always a hot shot extra spice. I just see that. I don't know why. I just want to see Dale Fry's think, yeah, you're a proper borrow lad, you just, you'd love to be a spice, don't you? I think he'll be, I think he'll be mild for some reason. I just mm. think he wouldn't be able to handle the extra hot. I don't know why. I just have a feeling he wouldn't. Like I can see him there. Like my like my dad does. Every every time my dad like eats something spicy, he's doing that like you know, like he's sweating intensely and he's burning up inside. He's really struggling to deal with like the slightest hint of spice. Like I feel like that might be Dale Fry. Tom, do you have a suggestion on this one, or do you want me to move on to the to the next contestant? I would say hot. I, I don't think he's quite extra hot. He maybe does that once every so often, but um, yeah, hot on that one. Okay, when Riley McGree is the next one, Tom, so I'm going to stick with you. Uh, if a mild has ever won, I definitely think Riley McGree is, is on that. He could he could maybe pass for a medium when he's been a bit adventurous, but I think for me, probably mild. What do you think? I don't know. I think he's hot as well. Like I, I, I think I've, again, not extra hot, but. I can see him going for a for a hot sauce on on his chicken. Dino, you can go with Riley McGree. I can pass. You want the next the next and final contestant? Go for the final one. I went with Isaiah Jones as the next one. You know, I think this could be like a bit of a freak. You want to be honest because I think you could. You know, I think you might like the hot sides of things. I think you could go all, all hot. You know, maybe extra hot. Maybe he has like the the, the sauce on us where it's like the we're turning the black one where it's like extra extra hot. I think he's just got it in him. You know. I don't know what you think, Dana. Anyway, but <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think extra hot. I yeah, I agree with that. I think extra hot. <laughs> what a ridiculous uh, end to the podcast, by the way. Yeah, well, I just thought you know what you've you've been both been writing for like the last fifty eight. 59 minutes so i thought you know what let's just cheer yourselves up a little bit and create a debate because i feel like there's gonna be listeners in this going probably traveling to work tomorrow and going ah you know what? i think Isaiah jones could be a mild you know god um, i hope no one's listening to this in the car with their kids please i know that we're at the end of the episode but like 
turn back time. Please don't listen it's to too this late. podcast. No, it. <laughs> too late now. Yeah, trying to swallow me now. Um, I'll put some quacks anyway. in the audio. <laughs> no, I don't need to do that. Anyway, I was going to do a predictions for, for Blackburn because we do actually have a game after the national break. We will be doing opposition oh, show. Do we have to? Uh, well, you don't have to. But <laughs> no, I, do we have I, to have I, a game? Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, whatever. Well, you, you can do your predictions then because uh, Blackburn last year was pretty much one of those games where you think, wow, we are actually going to do something special. Um, but predictions, Tom. You know what? what I'm going to go with 1 0. I'm going to go with 1 0. Blackburn. And... No, it's a borough. Uh, I'm going to be optimistic oh. here. I think we're going to have a good couple of weeks on the training ground, come back and really grind out that result. I don't think it's going to be anything special, but it might be the the one that kind of gets us on our way. So, yeah, I'm going to go 1-0 borough. Dana, what do you think? I'm not sure because I don't know where our next win's coming from, to be honest. When you look at our next games, Blackburn, Sheffield, Southampton, and then Watford. Obviously, there's a game against Bradford in amongst that as well. I mean, everyone will probably look at Sheffield and think we'll, we'll beat them, but we probably won't knowing us. And then um, Blackburn away is a difficult one because Sam Gallagher exists. And I would not be surprised to see him smack one top bins from about the halfway line. We got away with one last season um, because he didn't score against us in that. Uh, Ewood Park fixture so you pr- will probably make up for that this time can't see us winning I can't lie so I'm going to go with 2-1 Blackburn and I'm going as well so yeah God I'm glad I'm not going um, well, it's 1-1 <laughs> for me um, but guys thank you very much for joining me as always, I hope it was a bit of therapy for you and I hope it was a bit of therapy for the people listening as well. And if you enjoyed our podcast, do give us a five-star rating on your podcast provider. Uh, don't forget to give us a thumbs up on YouTube and subscribe to our channel. It helps us get found and all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, we are the happiest and the most negative podcast uh, out there, <laughs> given uh, our Twitter mentions. But for right now, Bora hit rock bottom. And Bora need a people's elbow to get ourselves back up there. Uh, this has been the Bora Breakdown podcast and that... Was like a boring match day chatter in a pod. Up the board breakdown. <laughs>